0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Okay, we're back, and joining us, um, we're quite honored to have uh, author Carol Lee Carter. Uh, Thank you for joining me on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So. Um, before we get into the book that you've just done, uh, let's talk about uh, where you came from us and uh, what started you in, in this path of being an author.
1: I got started in the field of journalism uh, when I was just 16 years old, actually. A uh, few afternoons every week, I was working at a daily newspaper as part of a course that I was enrolled in for my last year of high school, so uh, it was my experience Working at that newspaper that made me realize that that was the type of career that I wanted to have to be able to tell people stories. So I decided to go ahead and, and go on to post secondary um, and pursue journalism. But what's interesting is that while I was working at the newspaper, um, like I was writing more featured style articles as opposed to like the hard hitting news. And it was during that time that I was there that there was a, a missing persons case of a teenage girl that came into the newsroom and um, it was all over the province where i was from so her murderer it turned out that she was murdered Uh, he was 16 and he was actually like helping the police search for her for three weeks before he confessed to her murder Uh, and he led them to the uh, to her body eventually but because i worked at the newspaper at the time i was privy to some details of the case um, that weren't published necessarily in the newspaper and a few like, years after that case uh, went through the courts and everything, uh, that's when I read my very first true crime book. And, uh, and that was the actual case that I read was all about that because, you know, it was something that touched so many people in our province and so many people were interested in it. So, so that case stuck with me all throughout my career. Um, and while we don't get a whole lot of murders in the province that I'm from, the ones that do really do make the headlines, but this one has stuck with me for, for over a decade.
0: Are there other people that you've looked to or that you follow to or listen, you know, like other authors in the same area as your favorite sort of ones that you like?
1: I read a, a lot of different genres, um, but the the main one that I really look to is actually R.J. Parker. He's he's also my publisher. But it was only the past year or so that I really got back into reading true crime. So I've read a lot of his work and J.J. J. Slade, and um, I have several that I that I do read, but uh, I got to say, I, I look to RJ's style of writing, too, because I really like how he does short cases. Um, you know, there's several of his books uh, that, you know, they're, they're short reads, but you get enough information about each case, and, you know, it's just fascinating, the details that you get from these books.
0: It's newest book that you've got that just came mm-hmm. out, The uh, Canadian Psycho, and that's the true story of uh, Luca Magnata.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, is this your first true crime book, or have you written ones before?
1: No, this is my very first book. Okay. Um, uh, my writing has been more to do with my, my journalism background, um, so while I've been writing the same style of articles, um, nothing this in-depth, nothing uh, this length before, because it is over 120 page uh, pages. So, uh, so, yeah, I'm very excited about it and uh, looking forward to the beginning of this aspect of my career.
0: How long did it take you to do this? Like, there must be a lot of research and a lot of uh, time to put mm-hmm. together a project like this. Not only the writing part, but just all the information.
1: Yeah, um, I I spoke to RJ about. Doing this project uh, just before Christmas, I believe it was, or just after Christmas. So uh, once I was on board for it, he he suggested a couple of possible cases for me to look into, and you know I I did some research on, on Luca, and that case was the one that I knew that I I really wanted to tell this story because it was such a media sensation. Um, if, you, if you Google his name, there's just so many articles out there. So the research aspect of it did take quite some time. It was very involved. Um, and it, this was a little bit of a different experience for me because I generally do all my interviews myself when doing any writing, but for this book I relied heavily on articles and information that was already published and on the internet. I started uh, researching the book months before the release date. Um, I read everything I could get my hands on through, uh, my hands on through online searches. So I was as familiar with the case as possible before I even put any pen to paper, just so I could get an idea of what needed to be included in this. Um, And, you know, I think that my background as a journalist really helped me to determine what needed to be in this book for sure. So the other thing, too, was I used a lot of information from the psychological report, that was presented by the defense in this case, and I think that really gave a lot of insight to the to the readers about the facts that Luca was giving his doctors.
0: Let's let's start out with uh, some of the uh, aspects of the case. So, for the people that don't know, um, who was Luca Magnata and what 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 did he do, or where did it all start for him?
1: In May two thousand. Um, a janitor found a suitcase with a human torso in it in a uh, neighborhood in Montreal, Canada. Um, so police were called in, but the evidence they collected led them to late to the door of Luca Magnata, who had committed the crime. Um, he had fled the country at that time after the murder. And what he, what he did was actually he filmed the uh, indignities that he committed, to this, to his victim, and he posted them on the internet. Now, he posted this days before the body was actually discovered, and uh, people had been reporting it to, to police, but police thought that it was a fake. Um, so, within I think four hours of it being posted, there were over three hundred thousand hits to this to this video, um, and it was posted on the. Um, the website Best Gore. so it an international manhunt ensued once they identified him as the uh, the murderer, and he he was eventually caught in Europe. So from there, um, he also sent some of the, uh, his victims' body parts in the mail to uh, to to some schools and to uh, some members of government. And uh, and then he had to be extradited back to Canada to to face the charges that were brought against him.
0: So did he have a point to all of this? Like you know, um, uh, so this the this person he killed and and dismembered and did things mm-hmm. to, like why would he send the limbs or parts to the schools?
1: This this all really goes back to his his background from when he was a child. Um, He was obsessed with obtaining fame, and um, we'll get into this in a little bit, just how how obsessed he was with it. Um, You know, he, he, some of the things that he did um, in high school, uh, Luca was was considered very vain, like people who knew him, they always said he was vain, uh, always obsessed with his looks. He had to look in the mirror uh, any time he passed by, he had to stop and look at himself to make sure that he looked okay. Um, he, after he graduated, well, um, in, in high school was when his um, his mental issues surfaced. Um, and that's when he was uh, diagnosed uh, with um, schizophrenia, uh, par- as a paranoid schizophrenic. Going back to his, uh, his desire for fame, in 2004, he appeared in uh, some pornographic films um, under a couple of names like Jimmy. He also used uh, Roca because he wasn't originally born as Luca Magnata. He later changed his name. He was actually born as Eric Newman. Under this name, he actually he run in with the law previously. Uh, he appeared in a Toronto court on charges of fraud and impersonating a woman uh, for a credit card purchase over sixteen thousand dollars worth of goods. And he had um, a dozen criminal charges against him. But one of the other things he had is a sexual assault uh, charge for against a twenty-one year old woman he had met online in two thousand and four but she had the mental capacity of an 8 to 12 year old. Now, with this case, those charges were dropped against him, and if he had actually been convicted, he would have been a registered sex offender, which would have had a huge impact on his life, because he actually would have had to report to officers who supervised him. So he had a history of of some criminal behavior before this, um, shortly after. And with his sentencing, he never did any jail time, which is shocking, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, If those charges hadn't been dropped, I think it would have been uh, very different for him. His life would have been completely different, but unfortunately, they didn't. And, you know, he basically didn't get very much uh, jail. He didn't get jail time. He just got community service. And uh, and from there, he he decided to change his name in 2006. And that's when he gained Luca Magnata.
0: Was there a certain reason why he changed his name, or do we know that?
1: We, You know, that that's not something that I really knew. Um, I, he kind of just wanted a fresh start, is what I came across in my research for it. Um, and then after that, you know, he, he was in court again, but this time for a bankruptcy charge. So a lot of it was tied to money. Um, you know, I guess he was just spending beyond his means, uh, so he, de- he declared bankruptcy. Um... From Then his obsession with fame really kicked in. He auditioned for um, OutTV's reality program, Cover Guy, uh, but he wasn't selected to be on the show. He talked to the Naked News um, using an alias where he talked about being a high-end male escort. And, uh, and in that same year, in 2007, is when he made up a story about his involvement with... Uh, serial killer, Carl, Carla Homolka. And uh, as many people know, Carla, along with her husband, Paul Bernardo, right to murdered her little sister, as well as uh, some teenage schoolgirls who were enslaved, raped, tortured, and killed. And, uh, and that is actually a case that was covered by Peter Vronsky in Volume 3 of the Crimes Canada series. So... He he had actually put out internet rumors linking him to to Carla Homolka. and then after that, she phoned up some uh, some media outlets claiming they weren't involved, and you know, went on and did uh, some interviews saying that you know he he was getting death threats and it was conspiracy against him and things like that. So so he he wanted to to pull that spotlight to himself.
0: So he was just doing this all for. Uh, it, Notoriety. He just wanted to be famous.
1: He just wanted to be famous, and, you know, this, this book really chronicles, you know, how how it just went further and further and further. And, uh, you know, over the years, there would be new rumors and newspaper stories that, you know, would link, link him to Carla Homolka. So, you know, he, he, he just did whatever he could to get the fame. And he
0: didn't really have anything to do with Carla Homolka, did he?
1: Oh, gosh, no the other thing too like he, he would continue from there he just continued auditioning for reality TV shows and you know he none of his his um, his attempts to gain attention worked um, you know the book that, I, that I've written really chronicles uh, his journey about and how he would fall deeper and deeper into fabricating like this enormous online presence um, he had like 70 Facebook accounts, you know, which which is <laughs> com- totally crazy.
0: <laughs> I can hardly keep up with one. <laughs>
1: exactly, right? Um, and then, you know, he he would make blog posts. Um, there was one in particular that he wrote that was that, or he said that he had written, how to completely disappear and never be fat to be found. So this article was largely plagiarized, but, you know, when when you think about the actions that he took, you wonder if you know he thought of this and he when he knew he would need this in the future. You know, hmm. um, that's one thing with this case. Like, it was so hard to tell fact from f- fiction if you're looking at any of the posts that Luca himself made.
0: What, what do you think made him cross over into murder? I mean, I can see you know. Okay, so he's you know whatever condition that makes him want to uh, be famous. And he's doing all sorts of pranks and Facebook accounts and name changes and and all this stuff to create attention, trying to be on reality shows. I mean, that mm-hmm. all makes sense. But to actually go and murder someone, cut up mm-hmm. their parts, and send them out, isn't that? I mean, that's like, you know, because we all want certain things, you know. we, we want. I, I don't mind a little bit of fame or a little bit of money and things like that. But... I'm not gonna jump out and start cutting up bodies and filming it and sending it to schools to get that you know so mm-hmm. what what made him was that his first murder was that or do you think he's done it before
1: um I think this was his first murder now I could be wrong right. you know um, some of the experts didn't think that it was in fact the police were investigating with some uh, were in touch with some other police departments to try to determine if he had done some other murders that kind of were similar uh there was a hollywood sign murder um in the in the us that they did get in touch with the montreal police to see if if, uh, it may have been luca it actually wasn't is what they found but because it was somewhat similar um, they, it was something they had to check out. So there were several cases that, you know, they had to look into it to see if, if he had committed murder before.
0: Yeah. It just seems like it's a big jump to me. I, you know, like I said, to, to all of a sudden do it.
1: Well, with Luca, he actually, it seemed like it was a progression because he did, uh, he did make some, uh, animal cruelty videos as well. And that is really, um, what launched him, uh, into fame a little bit because people were investigating to try to find out who had made animal cruelty videos and posted them on YouTube um, and there was quite an extensive investigation into this by animal activist groups as well so they were they spent quite some time trying to prove it with him after he posted the original video um, not long it was a while later um, that he posted a second video that got people moving again trying to figure out who had done it and he was actually mocking the people who were investigating them you know leaving tips and and stuff Um uh, they he actually sent or the group believes that he's the one who sent them the information saying it was actually luca magnata that they're looking for
0: now how did this affect us now were you able to find out about his family so like where did he come from as in like uh, was he living in a fairly good family and a good housing brothers sisters parents all that or or what was the situation that he came from
1: yeah Luca he he grew up um, in Scarborough Ontario Um, his parents were teenagers when they met and uh, they got pregnant shortly after Um, so Luca or Eric as he was born he was firstborn and they named their their kid after Clint Eastwood and Kirk Douglas so you know even then you know yeah (laughs) right away you know there's a little bit of fame in there already so after that they they had a son and a daughter a few years later so um, with his home life his mother didn't graduate from high school herself. She, she dropped out when she was in grade nine, but she still insisted on homeschooling the kids. So they didn't have any contact with kids their own age. Um, and, you know, Luca himself would would say his mother was obsessed with cleanliness and, um, you know, things like that, um, that she would lock them out of the, the house and car. And, you know, she she caused a... a the death of their fa- one of their family pets, a rabbit, by putting it outside in the winter. Oh. He also said that she, she would dress him in female clothing when he was younger and made him wear diapers when he was six years old because he was still wetting the bed. So, you know, he, he put a lot of blame on his mother, his relationship there. Um, he said that he even his, like, his siblings made fun of him, his family made fun of him because, uh, you know, he would cross his legs and he would sometimes wear makeup. Things like that. He played with Barbie dolls, you know, um, and his family didn't like that kind of thing. So, you know, all of that played into it. I'm sure um, he he said that he was he was bullied in school. Um, he struggled in school because eventually, after his parents divorced, he he did get put into the school system, and uh, he was a couple of grades behind. Um, but, yeah, he, he, you know, maintains that he was bullied and beat up. And then later, you know, when I, when I did find the psychological report, um, one of his previous classmates, you know, described him as almost too odd to be a tar- target for bullying. So, you know, she said that people kind of left him alone. So, you know, you have two sides to the story. You have Lucas saying that he, he was, you know, bullied and beat up. And then you have some of the other classmates who said, no, that didn't really happen right so he you know his his um former classmate said that he seemed he seemed to have a really negative view of himself and was you know sensitive to to criticism on his father's side his father's side um he his father was hearing voices and Um, feeling suicidal he was angry and delusional Um, and his his father was actually originally diagnosed as bipolar and and uh, a manic depressive but later on that was changed to paranoid schizophrenic manic depressive so he had a he was on a bunch of different drugs so and and you know what and it's unfortunate but like at the age of 18 Luca even followed in in those footsteps because he started hearing voices and uh, in 2001, that's really when his, his, his extensive history with you know hospitals and doctors started.
0: So was he ever diagnosed with any condition at all? Or?
1: Back then in 2001, it was as a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, he dropped out of high school. He didn't finish high school. Uh, he, he was in a number of uh, dead-end jobs, but they never lasted long. So he had a really hard time keeping a job. Uh, he, he was getting disability support pay- payments, um, you know, he was in a psychiatric group home. Uh, um, he, he overdosed on some of his meds one time and had to be rushed to the hospital. Um, you know, and, and really, like, there was a decade of just appointments with doctors and, and visits and stuff in Canada and the United States. And, you know, he, even his living arrangements, he would bounce around. So there wasn't a lot of stability there.
0: This um, to him as a model and sex worker. So we see, yeah. as, was he actually a model?
1: Well, in his early 20s, uh, that's when he, he started his career in the, the sex trade. Um, he did some internet porn with webcams. Um, but he said he, he gave it up because there were too many crazy people out there.
0: Wow. Well.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Um, in 2002, he became a stripper, um, but, you know, that only lasted a few months for him, and then he followed that up by working as an escort. Um, then, you know, he said, he once again, it, it's hard to know what's truth and what's not, but he, he did say that he was raped sometimes during that career, um, and that's when he moved into pornographic films.
0: Now, he... Um eventually got convicted of Mm -hmm. of several things so okay so not not only did he do the murder but i guess he you know he uh, so what did he do on film for people because it says indignity to a body so what did he he have sex with
1: it or something Uh, there's there's quite a bit um i unfortunately (laughs) i unfortunately i i did have to watch this video in order to describe it for the book uh, it's it's one of the things that I left to last to do because I knew I had to write about the victim as well And I wouldn't be able to do that, at, you know If I watched the video before I knew I had I would have a much harder time So I did say say that for last because I knew it would be hard to watch and I actually had to watch it four times mm-hmm. so the video that he posted is actually 10 minutes long and um, The right off the very bat, you know, he, he has a, an image of, you know, a person laying on the bed still alive. And then it just, it cuts to just a wide shot. Um, and that's when he, he actually starts stabbing the body. Um, and and this goes on for quite some time. So you do see that. Um,
0: is he actually I, killing him at the time? Or no. Is, no, he's dead no, you,
1: you don't actually see the murder take place itself. Um, but then he he starts to cut into the body, and, and he picks the camera up, and it's like you're looking through his his eyes, basically. Um, so it's really very, very disturbing. Um, you know, he he cuts away at some times, like, you know, after he started originally cutting into the body. Um, he, you know, he, he shows that he's already decapitated his victim. Um, and, you know, he... he he masturbates with some of the body parts in the video um, very very disturbing he, he simulates sex with the body I don't know if you he actually does have sex with the body in it it was very hard to tell he he let a puppy on the bed and let the puppy um, you know bite into the body as well where he had removed one of the limbs and then uh, he he used a wine bottle to penetrate the torso anally um, to have anal sex using this this item. Um, so yeah, and then you know he he concluded the video with uh, one shot of him laying on the bed, pantless, masturbating with a severed hand. And then he he changed it up and had shots of a severed arm in the refrigerator and. Uh, the very final shot of that video is, is a picture of his victim with, with his throat slit.
0: Wow. Um, now, that's, that's a lot. Now, And he filmed all this, and then he posted it online.
1: He did, yeah.
0: And so what, what did he post online to, for, like, for everybody to see? Did he put it on a big site?
1: Yeah, he posted it on a uh, best score. Um, he posted it on uh, another couple sites as well. But the thing that you have to realize too is he actually started promoting this video online a week before he shot it, before any of this took place. Right? So, but to go even one step further is he bragged to a journalist in Europe about the fact that he was going to commit this crime, that he he was going to murder somebody months before he did it.
0: Okay, so so he actually kind of had this in mind, obviously.
1: He, t- he totally had this planned out, you know. Um, the, the note that he sent to the journalist um, at the time, um, he didn't sign it with his own name, but it showed up um, the next day after that journalist had confronted Luca about the animal cruelty charges that people had laid against him. Because the animal cruelty charges... Uh, that, well, they were charges, but the animal cruelty case, um, it was actually widespread. That story even got picked up in the U.K., so that's why, you know, this journalist heard that Luca was over in Europe and, and confronted him about these charges and wrote a story on it uh, as well. Um, but, yeah, the next day he, he sent a uh, a letter, and it, it wasn't signed by him. But um, it was later confirmed in trial that yes, Luca did send that send that letter to the journalist. So yeah, like months before he committed the murder, he was bragging about the fact that he would, he was going to commit it.
0: Wow! And so did he know who he was going to do this to? Now this this is uh, this is someone named Lin Jun. Yes, it is. And so how did he meet this Lin Jun? And and or how did it was it kind of planned ahead of time as in this person or?
1: No, um, you know, police weren't really able to find out how they originally met. Um, a court from Luca, he actually said they met on uh, online on Craigslist, and um, that he that, uh, Lynn, responded to his request for a bondage partner. So, um, and that they met up and went back to his place. So I mean, you know, obviously he he had no idea that you know entering. The apartment building with with Luca, that would that would be the last time that he was ever free.
0: Yeah, that was a a bad uh, hookup
1: <laughs> on, yeah. on
0: Craigslist. Uh, yeah. Um. So, so that's happened, and mm-hmm. then, um, so so he posts it, and then that sort of made it so that. So, did he mail the limbs to the to the schools first, and then post it, or?
1: Um, it was it was around the same time. So after he had shot the video, um, he he got rid of all the evidence in his apartment building. They had surveillance running twenty four seven. So you know the surveillance tape actually shows him getting rid of of the evidence. Um, at one point, you you actually see him wearing the clothes that uh, Lynn had arrived in the building in, on some of these trips that he made to. In and out of the building um, so Luca yeah he, he took his victims clothes and wore them and you know while he was cleaning up after himself after after committing this murder so um, yeah he uh, he then um, put the torso in a suitcase which he put in the garbage bin outside of his building um, and that was that was left there for a few days um, it wasn't discovered until people started complaining about the smell and coming from it. Um, he was already in Europe by that time because he had booked a flight while he was cleaning up from the murder uh, to Europe. So, um, with the the posting of the limbs and stuff, he did that before his flight as well. They released video of him. Uh, they show him very calmly going to the mall and, you know, dropping off the packages in the mail. Um, one, they sent them to uh, the Liberal and Conservative headquarters, is where he sent some packages, as well as two um, two separate schools. Um, so all of that is also chronicled in the book as well, uh, as well as the notes that he had sent with them and the return addresses. <laughs> the, re- the return addresses actually pulled it back to Carla Homolka.
0: <laughs> oh, that's just that's crazy. And but, but what was the point of doing? sending things to elementary schools like he sent limbs so what what was there a a meaning that he said that he did that?
1: You know I think it was just for the shock value honestly. Mm,
0: Certainly Um, and and then to federal so I see that he was also charged with uh, harassing the prime minister and this would be why. Yeah so that that's that's really kind of um, and so he had no Real purpose other than just fame, probably for that too,
1: yeah, um you know, and I guess you know with his mental health issues he he felt that you know the government was out to get him um he He always thought that you know the, the government was spying on him according to his psych evaluation, so yeah mm. yeah he he wanted to get back yeah at at the government for for spying on him and things like that would be my guess there.
0: Yeah, he had a whole different world going on. So, so then he took off to Berlin, and how did they find him there?
1: Um, someone recognized him actually, because you know, the the police uh, did release that they that he was in Europe. So they were they were doing searches um, of the area, but he was he was found in a in a cafe, reading information about himself on the internet. So he was looking up information um, to see what the media was covering about himself.
0: Isn't that strange, almost ironic in a way?
1: That's yeah, it who, just it's, goes it's, back to that narcissistic behavior, you know.
0: So what happened to him then? Like he, uh, so he got caught, brought mm-hmm. back to Canada, he went on trial, and they had no problem convicting him
1: no um his defense actually he was going for the what used to be the insanity defense but it's now uh, not criminally responsible so his lawyer said that he shouldn't be held responsible because of his mental state but i mean you know you have the case where someone who had planned this murder months in advance so so yeah they they had uh some psychologists and, you know, they... Luca didn't take the stand in his own defense. It it all came down to the doctors, really, for, for pleading his case, as well as, you know, some testimony from his family and whatnot. But...
0: And so now he got sentenced to, um, I guess, life?
1: He got life, but life in Canada is different. Um, he... it means 25 years, unless he uh, is... Uh, Classified as a dangerous offender. So, you know, he could be out before he's 60.
0: Well, you, do, do you actually think he'll ever get out? But after this, this is a little bit um, drastic. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. would th- you know, it's not like he just, what you know, got into a fight and passionate and killed someone. He's This is a little bit more.
1: Mm-hmm. I, you know. Dur- during his defense, you know, Luca tried to place the blame on... Um, a person named Manny Manny and um, you know this this person whether real or not um, he played a, a starring role in this psychological evaluation that was presented in the, in the trial it was uh, it was 124 pages long and uh, and reading through it Luca always revert, reverted back to blaming this Manny person for you know for the animal cruelty videos that he made and posted and you know the murder of of his victim of Lynn and uh, and everything that happened afterwards you know the filming of it and posting it online everything was, was put back to Manning even his, even some of the acts that he committed as an escort you know so so yeah he, he tried to place the blame on this other person um, I think it was just so he could have a scapegoat you know to, to try to have the police look for this other person which they did try to do you know they looked for him but they couldn't find any any evidence or they couldn't find this person And to me in this day and age with the technology that exists you know I think that if you, you know you can't find this person it's probably because they don't exist
0: yeah I would think too because uh, you know there'd be some sort of evidence of it unless this person this Manny is some secret service agent that can hide
1: well, the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, Luca did admit to the fact that he would hear Man, Manny's voice even if he couldn't see him. So, you know, that that's one thing that factored it into the, this psychological evaluation, you know,
0: so. Yeah. Well, who, who in his eyes, or who, who did he portray Manny to be?
1: Um, it's, it's someone who, you know, forced him to do all these terrible acts and, you know, um,
0: like, made to... made him
1: post, you know, to kill these these kittens for these videos, you know, not in, not just once, but twice. that, like, uh, he was posting these videos in two separate occasions. But you know, he, he tried to place all that blame on on Manny, right? He yeah. didn't want to take any responsibility for his his own actions.
0: So does it was this Manny to him like his his lover or? Was it, yep,
1: um... he was a lover and. Uh, made him do stuff for money, and he uh, he said that he was an American from New Mexico that while he that he met while he was in uh, living in New York City, and that that meeting apparently took place in about 2010. Um, so he this nanny person would try to convince Luca not to take his medication. Um, so because Luca was medicated at times for for his. Uh, for his various medical conditions, his, his mental health issues. Um, so yeah, he said he was fearful of Manny and you know, Manny would, it was abusive and, and suggested that, you know, if they made, they would make more money if they made these crush videos and uh, a crush video is like where, where a woman would like sit on a rabbit, but instead of a rabbit, that's where the, the kittens came in for the animal cruelty videos and things like that. So it just goes back to, you know, Having someone to blame, really, is, is what I think.
0: But. Yeah, yeah, take it off. And so, now, have, were you able to interview Luca at all or talk to him?
1: No, no, um, I, I didn't, uh, So, which is unfortunate. But yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, you know, in the years to come, people are going to be analyzing this case. And, you know, I'm sure with his his love of the spotlight, he will speak to somebody someday. Yeah. I would be surprised if it, if it's sometime soon you know
0: yeah and 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 so have you heard how he's doing in prison or how he's how he's surviving now
1: um i I read some information in the uh, the psychological evaluation that was presented, you know, but you know about how he he was afraid to go to the showers so he, you know he wouldn't get raped and um how he was he was what wearing multiple layers of clothes and stuff and and just the, his manic behavior and stuff. But personally, my opinion, and I think that he he was just putting on a, a good show for the doctors who had to testify for him. But like I said, this is just my opinion. Um, how he's faring now, I'm not sure. But
0: And so now, does that worry you about having a book come out? about someone like him like a, a murderer like that do you does it ever kind of scare you a little bit Do you ever get creeped out
1: <laughs> um not really I mean you know journalism background so no but, yeah, I, I mean, just, don't,
0: it doesn't it worry I mean whenever I think I would be a little bit
1: you mean like, do, you, do yeah, I worry yeah, if you ever one got day Olsen
0: you get a call and it's him <laughs>
1: um you know not really I don't think He'll he'll be able to get out of
0: jail, but I wrote under a pen name, so well, this purpose. oh, look at those guys that just got
1: out in the states there. You know, there's some
0: someone, some cook on the side that gets them out, and then do you think he'll call you or come after you? you, I mean, do you you worry about stuff like that when you write, you know, other books? It's one thing, but when you're writing about something that's true and this Mm -hmm. person's still alive, do you ever worry that, or even think about, not necessarily worry, but do you ever think that? They're going to read what you've written, and they yeah. will kind of transcend like put a, an opinion on on it,
1: oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I know of some authors who do have people who who call them even while they're committing crimes, you know mm-hmm. so i it is it is something that could happen, yeah. You know. I see,
0: because that would kind of throw me a little, because he's alive and it's still, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like something that happened a hundred years ago and there's no, um, I I would just be a little freaked out myself, I'd be, but that's that's okay, that's it's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: so far so good, so far
0: so good, we'll see how it goes, yeah, um, yeah. so uh, now were you ever uh, did you ever uh, get to talk to, uh, Lin Jun's family or or have you heard anything about how. The family of Lin Jun received all this, and how it was played
1: out for them was it? Um, um, they they gave very few media media interviews during this this whole thing. Um, but if you read the, the book, um, what I decided to do, how I wanted to end this book, um, was not with something about Luca. I actually. Included the entire victim impact statement from the family. Um, I thought it would be a, a disservice to Lynn, um, to to not include it. And it, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. When I read it, I knew that this had to be included. And and it had to be the end of the book because I wanted to bring um, your, your focus back to his victim and what his family has to live with because, I mean, it, it really is. It's just it It still makes me emotional just even thinking about it, yeah, after. well I
0: mean this one person's caused a lot of um trauma not only with that family but with mm-hmm. anybody that was involved in the elementary school now, when they when he sent limbs to the schools did they mm-hmm. did anybody see them or how how like I mean obviously somebody opened up
1: yes, they had to open them to finding what they were, right, so, so can you imagine how traumatizing that would be, yeah. <laughs> I I, re- I really can't imagine how how tra- traumatizing it must be. I mean, good lord, I just, I can't even.
0: Well, it just it's such an odd thing to happen
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because there's there's really no reason for it um, mm-hmm. coming to the school. It's not like he was trying to get back at someone there, or he, he cut up a teachers uh, and sent them to the school. You know what I mean? There was no real reference, mm-hmm. so it, you know that would just be kind of weird. Mm-hmm. wow so um after after this book now so that you've done and um how do you feel like uh, do, you, do you feel good and you feel like you want to do tackle another true crime now
1: i feel really good i'm really happy with how it turned out um my style of writing is more um give you the facts and you're not really going to get my opinion in there much i kind of want to let you make up your own mind about the case i mean you know i think talking to you today is actually my opinions coming across way more than what it did in the book. Yeah. But, um, this, this is my first one. Uh, hopefully not my last. I do hope to, to do another one for sure. Um, taking the summer off right now before, before I look at the next topic that I might want to cover, but, but definitely just the beginning for me. Yeah. I, well, I that's, think that's I'll continue clear. with
0: it. Yeah, no, that's how, that's great. And, and that's actually, I think the way, a good true crime book is written anyway. I mean, not so much opinion, but more about here. This is what happened. This is what you learned, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I think that's great. <clears throat> is there any particular cases that interest you that you want to pursue now uh, after your summer off?
1: Um, I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to look around at, at some more cases. I'm going to uh, read a few more books. Um, with, with, you know, a bunch of different cases in them and and try to determine where I'd like to go from here. I um, have a couple I'm looking at, but, uh, you know, until I get the go-ahead from my publisher, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Yeah. So
0: um, now, do you have some contact information now for the listeners if anybody wants to uh, send you their opinion or maybe send you information about a case or maybe Luca wants to get a hold of you <laughs> how, how would how would they go about doing that?
1: Sure, um, you can go onto my website at com, and there's a contact form there um, I'm also on Facebook, you can reach me on Facebook and uh and because i'm so new i'm still still branching out into my various social media sites and you know
0: it takes time
1: it does it does (laughs) it's just been such a whirlwind because the book wasn't supposed to be released until the 24th of july but uh it actually did get released um quite a bit earlier over 20 days earlier because i did end up finishing it early so so yeah so now i'm just i'm trying to Get up to speed with all the social media stuff, but really, um, I'd love to hear from people, hear their thoughts, good or bad. You know, yeah. no, uh-huh.
0: it's, it's all good feedback, and you know, maybe Luca can help you out with uh, managing social media. He has so My, many... <laughs> He
1: he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, I don't know how he had time to <laughs> to keep up to all these different profiles between you know the the seventy Facebook pages and all these blog posts and YouTube accounts and like. My gosh. yeah. It just, it just blows my mind. Well, you really. think he
0: would get them mixed up or <laughs> Put no. the wrong picture on or something?
1: Well, what he would do is, you know, he would make a post under one name and then he'd log in as somebody else and comment so that it would seem like he had this huge following.
0: <laughs> oh, so he was building himself up, you know? Right,
1: right. That's That's but, crazy. yeah, yeah. He, he must have spent all of his time at it.
0: That's crazy. But, it totally uh, is really a troubled soul. I would say
1: he is, he is, but he, you know, he's, he's in jail. He's going to be serving his time for the next 25 years. And, um, and he'll be medicated. So maybe that'll make a difference. Maybe, maybe he was just born this way. You really, you don't know, or it could be, have something to do with, you know, his environment growing up and, you know, it, so, I'm sure that he, he will be studied. Oh, over yeah. The next, so, over the next so, so
0: many factors, you know. It's just. Uh,
1: so many factors that, that contributed to yeah, it. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, I really appreciate you taking some time. I know you're in a busy schedule and, and taking the time and, and talking about your new book and, uh, and some other things. And uh, thank you for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me?
1: Well, good night. This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. I'll be back.